Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. So we're glad to have another episode of uh, DX Talks, and this time with Cardano Foundation, our dear friends. Uh, a lot of exciting, I would say, news that are coming as we speak. So October, uh, November is a very busy month. It will An event will be hosted in Dubai. We were going to be finding out more of this. And our discussion of today is about the partnerships and what's happening in the world of humanitarian assistance and how can blockchain really uh, solve those uh, issues and try to really uh, change things. So join us for this exclusive interview with Alexander or Alex Maza, the Outreach Development Officer at Cardano Foundation. Alex has played a crucial role in establishing significant partnerships, including groundbreaking collaboration between Cardano Foundation and the UNHCR, High Commission for Refugees. And then we know what's the situation of the refugees in the globe and what's happening. In this interview, we will delve into the partnerships between Cardano and uh, UNHCR, as well explore how blockchain technologies is being leveraged to provide assistance to forcibly displayed individuals. Additionally, we get an exclusive sneak peek into much-anticipated Cardano Foundation event that is scheduled in November 2023 in Dubai this time. Last year, we hosted... I was one of the uh, organizers of uh, the community event in Dubai, and it was super success. So we're looking forward for the 2023 edition. So join us and join our expert to share their insights on the event theme, discover how this event aims to empower the global blockchain community and foster, most importantly, meaningful collaboration for decentralized and sustainable future. So let me welcome again my host, my guest, Alex. Alex, welcome to DX Talks. Hi, Rudy. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Do you mind introducing yourself to our audience? What do you do and what is your specialization? Of course. I'm just to introduce the Cardano Foundation as a Swiss-based nonprofit that's responsible for advancing Cardano as a public digital infrastructure and to really anchor it in the uh, financial and social systems uh, of the world. And our focus at the foundation is threefold. It's about adoption, it's about education, and it's about uh, operational resilience. My role at the foundation is primarily on the partnership side of things. And I look at uh, sustainability-related uh, topics. So the use of blockchain for sustainability, which we'll be speaking about today, uh, around the use case that we have with the UN Refugee Agency and uh, the sustainability of the blockchain. So the ability for this amazing technology to continue delivering value in a decentralized, distributed way uh, long into the future, hopefully long after you and I are both gone from this planet, uh, but it still ends up being a good place to live. I love what you said, long after we're still available because this is the aim of this technology. And that's why can you provide us an overview of the current uh, state of blockchain technology and how it's going to impact various uh, industries? Yeah, so I, I think uh, blockchain has um, 
really still been is still a really you know innovative new technology compared to many of the other forms of digital technology like we know of the internet the world wide web um now there's a lot of talk around ai and ml that really kind of comes forward when 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 you speak about blockchain it's really a foundational technology uh that looks at a number of different sectors in which it could have an impact really focusing on key issues like security trust and efficiency and really trying to bring gains and reduce costs in these types of uh thematic areas i think really the applications abroad essentially it's a communication technology that could be applied transversely and a key part around uh blockchain technology is obviously as demand increases scalability and transaction throughput becomes uh really crucial to meet that kind of demand and you know maintaining security and decentralization is really important and one of the ways that these these types of needs can be met is you know education education and education and this is part of what we're doing um you know on this on this stream and and another bit that we're doing with education is uh comes to the alpha program that the foundation is currently doing where we believe that uh, free quality education about blockchain and very accessible education about blockchain technology um could provide uh the architects of the future with the means to actually uh use this technology and tailor it to solve some of the problems that they're the experts in um i think a key part of 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 web3 of course is the ability to have um community come into the ownership and the management of uh a technology platform like blockchain cardano in, in the case of uh what i work on but really again you know it's all about scaling to meet the needs of uh current and future uh demands and and really kind of finding that in decentralization and security uh, above all thank you i think it's interesting points that you that you have discussed and i want to focus now more on how cardano is really unique among other blockchains and trying to solve maybe those problems Yeah, of course. So there's this famed scalability trilemma uh that that is often shared around the different trade-offs that uh blockchain projects or layer ones will need to take in order to try to achieve decentralization, security and scalability all at once. Uh we think that Cardano is rather unique in the sense that it has an incredibly vibrant community that both contributes to the adoption of the protocol and the development of use cases but also the development of the technology the foundational technology that can be reused for a number of different use cases and that kind of speaks to the sustainability of the protocol the powerful community that maintains the code base that sets directions and that allows us to thrive as an ecosystem i think a second uh, few bits and pieces is really around the tech stack and and the technological specificities of cardano we're a proof of stake protocol uh that is provably secure um we have we're one of the few programmable layer ones that actually uses extended unspent transaction output and that's essentially using the uh accounting model that is used by the bitcoin blockchain and extending that to give it programmability you know use of smart contracts nfts etc cetera, etc cetera. i think the last bit is really when it comes to cardano's uh metadata capability where the metadata can actually be uh flexible and fit 
the customizable needs for different types of uh, industrial applications and very specific applications um, that we see coming up in, um, in current times and also in future. Um, and really, again, you know, to emphasize the, the community aspect, um, Cardano is people over code. Um, and this code really serves the people. And this is how we see this uh, kind of going forward is really to make sure that this community of developers, of uh, adopters, of token holders all participate on equal footing in the direction of the uh, Cardano ecosystem and the Cardano blockchain as a whole. Yes, it's very interesting. Thanks uh, again for this. Uh, you know, community is 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 a must. Community is first sometimes because everything will be driven and is driven by the community itself. And this is where we start rolling into what Cardano is is working with uh, with the United Nation to bring solutions in helping. Uh, dispersed and displaced uh, people at the end of the day. Can you elaborate more on your involvement with the UNHCR using the blockchain technology and how it's helping and address those humanitarian challenges? Of course. So when it comes to displaced people, uh, there are over 108 million of these, according to some reports uh, at the end of 2022. And... Um, this is likely to be a growing trend um, given, you know, conflicts, uh, climate change and other types of uh, disruptions to people's lives. And um, when it came to the work that uh, we're currently doing with uh, Switzerland for UNHCR, so uh, the UN Refugees Agency's national partner in Switzerland, um, we were looking at solving a very clear problem that's actually present, or at least piloting the solution for a problem that's present in many uh, humanitarian organizations where when it comes to resource mobilization, and this is, you know, fundraising, so financially, but also in-kind uh, types of resources that get mobilized to support beneficiaries uh, like refugees, typically these are linked to moments of crisis where people and organizations are more willing to give, whether these are conflicts uh, such as the one in Ukraine or natural disasters such as the earthquake in Syria and Turkey, people will typically give to these. Um, and at the same time, when people give to these types of crises, typically these are things that are called earmarked funding, which means that the money and the resources that are that that, that are mobilized for these uh, in these moments are usually only allowed to be deployed in these areas for that specific use case. And the reality is, of course. Um, humanitarianism is something that happens also in between crises where people still have to deliver resources to some of the most vulnerable. And this kind of challenge has resulted in numerous underfunded refugee crises uh, being chronically underfunded uh, over a number of years. And so what we were exploring, uh, what we're exploring with this stake pool is a method, at least currently at a small scale, to uh, generate funding uh, and, and mobilize resources that can happen on a continuous basis and not be marked by crisis events, but also not be earmarked to a specific location or crisis, but rather uh, generate resources that can be used at the uh, UN Refugee Agency's discretion and expertise, rather than being dictated by donors. 
And so the way that we we looked at doing that is by using Cardano's uh, proof of stake uh, protocol, which is quite unique and industry leading in the sense that it is uh, liquid staking at the protocol level and not at a derivative level. What that means is ADA, Cardano's cryptocurrency, can be delegated as stake to secure the network. This ADA, um, when delegated, is not locked. It is uh, non-custodial, and there is no slashing penalty attached to um, people delegating uh, that specific ADA, which really mitigates any forms of risks related to bad validator behavior. And so it also makes it incredibly predictable what the uh, staking reward may be and you know what the risks involved uh, involved are and so what we're doing with the stake pool is trying to create a new way of <clears throat> pardon me of um, mobilizing financial resources through staking rewards that are distributed completely by the uh, cardano protocol um, and are the result of people delegating their stake. And the really interesting bit about this is when people delegate their stake, they do not give away their principal. They maintain their principal. And what they give is the staking rewards that they would have earned on top of that. And where we, we've, we've looked at this uh, from a B2C perspective, where we engage the Cardano community, who's had a fantastic response and delegated close to 1.5 million ADA in stake over the past few months, um, both through stake delegation as well as the purchasing of charity-oriented NFTs. And what we'll be doing pretty soon is going towards uh, piloting the B2B approach, which can be really interesting for the corporate social responsibility departments of Web3 and non-Web3 organizations. Um, that might want to still maintain some of their principle in cryptocurrency and still support a good cause. And on top of that, another aspect of this, which is interesting, is should they themselves choose to make a donation to the stake pool in perpetuity, they can support a cause in perpetuity and see how many of the staking rewards they've contributed to over time um, and see the impact over time, which is really exciting. And currently... Um, the staking rewards are split into two uh, expenditure areas by the UNHCR. 20% of staking rewards will go to UNHCR's innovation program, and 80% will fund uh, on-the-ground missions in uh, traditionally chronically underfunded uh, refugee crises. It's very interesting use cases and how blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies are solving those uh, interesting. And then there's, you know, uh, I've been involved in the Beirut bombing that happened in 2020. Uh, and it was a disaster managing uh, the case there. And I don't know, you know, we would have loved some use cases of blockchain being deployed because we received huge amounts of money. But then later on, when it came, where did the money go? <laughs> or where did that so that's how why i'm asking now is how does this blockchain really enhances this transparency accountability efficiency of especially in in such scenarios uh, where you're dealing with and then knowing how uh, it is really you're able to target you're able to define transparently and, and everything related to that yeah so currently the, the the transparency aspect is really related to the resource mobilization 
where people can actually see how much has been raised, what and by whom, who's been giving and who's and how people have been receiving this, uh, at least from the UNHCR receiving the rewards. Um, and of course, we're looking into ways where uh, the disbursement of these funds can also be be, be made uh, transparently. And this is a this is a use case that many within our ecosystem are interested in uh, exploring uh, in in the most let's say permissionless manner. And and what I mean by that is uh, typically what we'll see when 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 we speak to a number of different humanitarian organizations, NGOs, etc. They ask us the same types of questions, and what we've noticed is often these types of solutions or challenges um, are similar. So, one way that we view things at the foundation is if people have similar technical challenges, perhaps uh, some of these can be solved through open source uh, tooling uh, that actually enables a broader group to participate and to reduce their development costs for certain solutions, so that when you know, they have a very specific use case uh, that that is part of a broader challenge, uh, a broader challenge setting. They can kind of reuse that code, maintain it, but also uh, tailor it to their very specific needs. So we're exploring these types of things um, with the community, with other uh, organizations involved in the space. And what we'd like to do is, you know, create tools that are replicable and reusable by others. So what we're hoping, at least from this pilot, is also to document it really well and to share a um, playbook of sorts with a bro the broader NGO community to, to, to kind of understand how we did it, why we did it, what were the challenges, what were the successful opportunities, and where can this type of, uh, what do you call it, resource mobilization model uh, be useful for, for their organization. So we're really about uh, shared learning and, and, and open sourcing knowledge as much as possible. Yeah, it's a very important open sourcing. And that's why with what you're talking about, do, you said pilot, but do you have any successful, notable successful stories so far with the UNHCR or still we're in piloting uh, phase? So currently it's it's very much a pilot. We've had successes within the pilot where the stake pool itself is somewhat of a hub. And we have, you know, little smaller pilots that are kind of hubs that, that or spokes that, that fit into this hub. Um, these include NFT projects of different kinds uh, that uh, UNH, uh, UNHR has participated with um, uh, some of our community projects. Uh, they include um, a charity fundraise NFT uh, that was somewhat done as a, as a proof of attendance uh, type of of uh, use case at Paris Blockchain Week and um, and uh, consensus in uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, we also have a, a version of an auction for a particular NFT. And so essentially what's happening here is the success of the project as a whole will be measured at the end. But what we see here in terms of success is not only the community's engagement, but the ability that uh, our partners at Switzerland for UNHCRs have had to really grow their understanding of how to interact uh, with the Web3 ecosystem and community. Um, the jump to set up a stake pool uh, is, is a massive undertaking and required a lot of education. The same thing goes with setting up um, 
different NFT collections, where typically most organizations would outsource this to a third party uh, for them to do that. Whereas uh, what we love about UNHCR is that they've actually picked that up themselves and they're doing the learning so that in future, we hope that they can interact with our community and other Web3 communities in a very simple manner in a way that they understand uh, the technology. And uh, we're really happy to kind of walk side by side with them on, on these types of it's things. It's a learning experience, I think, exactly. uh, for all of us. And that's why I want to ask you two different questions, but they are the same. Uh, one on the education side, where's the role of education and awareness in driving adoption for, so that we can have more? And But what are the challenges of deploying such technologies I'm sure, you know, you had to educate and uh, the UNHCR itself somewhere. You had to find use cases, the other communities, how they can join. So there's a lot of, I think, challenges. Governments, you know, when you say, usually when you say blockchain directly, I don't know why, it's cryptocurrencies. Yes, it is cryptocurrencies, but it's not also cryptocurrencies. You know that even though it's a good thing, but they take it in a bad impact. So this is where, you know, challenges, education and things. Uh, tell me about some use cases that, or some experience, I would say. For sure. So that's a really, that's a really, really good question. And, and education is a core part of what we do at the foundation. Um, and sometimes we see it applied like in the project with uh, the UN Refugee Agency. Um, when it comes to education, you could look at it in two ways. One, you could look at it from the point of view of educating the adopter of the technology or the potential adopter. Uh, enterprises, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then you could look at it in terms of educating those that are responsible for the uh, enabling environment in which this technology can be adopted. These are governments, these are regulatory bodies, et cetera. Um, and when it comes to education from an adoption point of view, um, we've, we've launched an alpha program, an education program uh, that's available online, and we hope that uh, it will be released post offer reasonably soon, where essentially we discuss you know, a wide range of topics uh, from you know, very blockchain fundamentals and generations to cryptography, structure, components, consensus algorithms, all the type of stuff that you need to have to just have a basic understanding of what this technology is so that you can get your creative juices flowing and think, how does this solve some of the challenges that I'm facing uh, as a professional and that my organization is facing? Another part of this is obviously education through an applied lens. Um, and so this is when we're testing out, you know, proof of concepts or pilot partnerships in fields like philanthropy with Switzerland for UNHCR, supply chain with the uh, Georgian National Wine Agency, and then identity um, when it comes to, you know, identity of people and products, products in the, in the sense of a recent uh, proof of concept we did with uh, Epoch Sports and Merchandise linking um you know, digital items. So linking essentially uh, an NFC chip to an actual uh, on-chain NFT and then turning a piece of uh, fan memorabilia into um, something that can also be tracked on-chain and create a better experience for, for the users. And then when we move to, you know, educating those that are responsible for the enabling environments, um, you know, we really believe that governments and regulatory stakeholders need to really collaborate with uh, industry players for you know, informed decision-making that's beneficial to, to all stakeholders involved in, in blockchain. And of course, you know, there's a need to develop uh, standards for both blockchain technology 
and digital assets. And this is something that we're really proactively involved in um, at the foundation. And of course, you know, education similar to what we do with adopters is something that's also important for these policymakers, that they understand um, the technology and can ask critical questions and receive, you know, the right answers when they're assessing different forms of blockchain technologies, um, their own sustainability, um, and, and really have this evidence-based policy discussion uh, at an international level, because that is the nature of this technology. Like the internet, uh, blockchain technology, um, you know, traverses borders, um, peoples and cultures. So it's really important that, uh, you know, regulatory understanding is 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 has kind of an evidence base across the globe. Yeah. Well, well, it is the internet 3.0, no? So that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it really advances. And then when you mention governments, and you know, you mentioned a lot of things that the governments need, and then one of the most important, I say, foster the innovation part. Uh, I don't know if you can shed more light on this. And then, and there any specific partnerships or collaboration on the horizon also for uh, Cardano blockchain? That you can share, I know. Sometimes <laughs> you cannot disclose. <laughs> so, so I think with governments, uh, especially, um, it's a different nature of engagement than when you deal with the private sector of different forms and sizes. One I can speak to is the uh, project that we have running in Georgia, where initially what was started as a proof of concept to showcase the traceability of uh, wines. Uh, Not just any wine, maybe the oldest wine available. That is true. Yes, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Georgia is actually the home of wine uh, over 8,000 years ago and very peculiarly made in uh, clay vats. Um, and essentially, yes, with, with, within Georgia, we started working on a proof of concept for the traceability and, and, and provenance of uh, organic wine. Uh, this was in 2021 using metadata on Cardano, and this is a this is a very clear use case of why Cardano for supply chain, where the flexibility of the metadata and the amount of detail that could be inputted in the metadata linked to a particular bottle is comparatively high relative to other blockchain uh, solutions, at least in the public space, uh, public blockchain space. And uh, from there, we had a you know successful POC. And we're currently scaling that to uh, a national, well, a, a regional level pilot uh, in the Bolnisi region. You can read more about this in uh, the Cardano Foundation's annual report. And, you know, we're hoping that, you know, once we get past this regional deployment, that we can look into uh, questions around uh, national provenance and appellations and all the interesting things that make a cultural value add uh, agricultural good even more valuable as it's being exported to uh, new markets. So that's that's one of the ways that we work with uh, governments. And of course, we have these kind of policy and regulatory discussions on an ongoing basis outside of projects. Very interesting. So as individuals such as myself, other people that are watching, uh, what would you give as an advice, and even to organizations maybe, looking to explore and leverage the blockchain technology technology for their own initiatives. I know many organizations which I consult, the first thing we said, please let us understand how can blockchain solve our problems? Because 
blockchain doesn't solve all of the problems and it's not just a trend, but you have to really, uh, you know, uh, have a use case for it so that you solve a problem. So this is this is a really good question. Um, and, and of course, I think maybe the question you might follow with uh, when you consult and which we do as well when we're approached by, by third parties is, well, tell us, what are your problems? And then we need to figure out, okay, where does blockchain fit within a specific problem space in a, in a certain value chain? I think this is why education is so important is it would allow a broader span of people to then uh, analyze their, let's say, business problems and understand this is maybe where blockchain has a potential to solve this issue. And then let me reach out to Rudy, Alex, and, and whoever else in, in the blockchain space and ask them, Am I right? Is this is this what I can actually use this for? So for some more kind of targeted conversations, right? So that's why education is so important. Um, so how would these organizations approach this? I would encourage them to reach out to the Cardano Foundation if they want to understand more about the Cardano blockchain. I'd encourage them to uh, sign up to our alpha program. But more importantly, I'd encourage them to join us at the Cardano Summit. Uh, why? not only because the Cardano Foundation is going to be there, it's because our entire community of builders, of thinkers, of innovators are going to be there um, to share some of their experiences. And, you know, at the foundation, we're generalists. We have certain themes of a specialization, but in terms of specific use cases, that's the community that decides, that's the market that decides whether they're looking into music or uh, real fi or lending protocols or whatever it might be. These are the experts, and they're coming to Dubai, um, as well as 20 other uh, satellite events all over the world. But the most important. That's what I want you to tell me. Dive directly into the Cardano Foundation event, and then so that That's they right, know yeah. exactly what's happening. Yeah, and and most importantly, the Cardano Summit in Dubai is not just about Cardano; it's about blockchain. Um, we are not going to succeed in an island. Uh, the world is full of multiple protocols. And so, you know, we're really inviting the broader blockchain ecosystem globally and within Dubai uh, from other L1s, from other stakeholders that may not even be fully into the Web3 space, but are starting to dip their toes. And really what we want to foster are quality conversations with quality actors about how this uh, technology can shape the future um, of Dubai, its region, but also, uh, you know, how this can do this can have an impact on a global level uh, in the years to come. So, so come to Dubai, come to one of the twenty uh, satellite events that's happening globally. And if you can't travel, just join us online uh, and feel free to connect with the uh, Cardano Foundation. Interesting. Uh, I'll be there. I hope you will be there so that we can. I'm definitely going to be there. See you there, Rudy. Uh, that's definitely, uh, uh, you know, I'm looking more forward now <laughs> to add uh, on this. So I'd like to thank you, Alex, for this and being our guest today and really sharing your insights. I don't know if you have last words before I conclude this episode. I would say sign up to the summit. Keep a lookout for some announcements coming up uh, real soon when it comes to that. If you want to get involved as uh, an individual or an organization that wants to do good and support displaced people uh, through the stake pool project, reach out to us. And if you want to understand about, you know, Cardano and blockchain more generally, again, reach out to us. This is our job. We're here to help. Thank you again. And big, big thanks to our viewers. 
for tuning in. You can watch the recording and this episode on YouTube and other, other channels that we have and also on Reels. See you next time. Stay tuned. Thank you. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. So we're glad to have another episode of uh, DX Talks, and this time with Cardano Foundation, our dear friends. Uh, a lot of exciting, I would say, news that are coming as we speak. So October, uh, November is a very busy month. It will An event will be hosted in Dubai. We were going to be finding out more of this, and our discussion of today is about the partnerships and what's happening in the world of humanitarian assistance and how can blockchain really uh, solve those uh, issues and try to really uh, change things. So join us for this exclusive interview with Alexander or Alex Maza, the Outreach Development Officer at Cardano Foundation. Alex has played a crucial role in establishing significant partnerships, including groundbreaking collaboration between Cardano Foundation and the UNHCR, High Commission for Refugees. And then we know what's the situation of the refugees in the globe and what's happening. In this interview, we will delve into the partnerships between Cardano and uh, UNHCR, as well explore how blockchain technologies is being leveraged to provide assistance to forcibly displayed individuals. Additionally, 
we get an exclusive sneak peek into much anticipated Cardano Foundation event that is scheduled in November 2023 in Dubai this time. Last year we hosted, uh, I was one of the uh, organizers of uh, the community event in Dubai and it was super success. So we're looking forward for the 2023 edition. So join us and join our expert to share their insights on the event theme, discover how this event aims to empower the global blockchain community and foster, most importantly, meaningful collaboration for decentralized and sustainable future. So let me welcome again my host, my guest, Alex. Alex, welcome to DX Talks. Hi, Rudy. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Do you mind introducing yourself to our audience? What do you do and what is your specialization? Of course, I'm just to introduce the Cardano Foundation as a Swiss-based nonprofit that's responsible for advancing Cardano as a public digital infrastructure and to really anchor it in the uh, financial and social systems uh, of the world. And our focus at the foundation is threefold. It's about adoption, it's about education, and it's about uh, operational resilience. My role at the foundation is primarily on the partnership side of things. And I look at uh, sustainability-related uh, topics. So the use of blockchain for sustainability, which we'll be speaking about today, uh, around the use case that we have with the UN Refugee Agency, and uh, the sustainability of the blockchain. So the ability for this amazing technology to continue delivering value in a decentralized, distributed way uh, long into the future, hopefully long after you and I are both gone from this planet, uh, but it still ends up being a good place to live. I love what you said, long after we're still available, because this is the aim of this technology. And that's why, can you provide us an overview of the current uh, state of blockchain technology and how it's going to impact various uh, industries? Yeah, so I, I think uh, blockchain has um, really still been, it's still a really, you know, innovative new technology compared to many of the other forms of digital technology, like we know of the internet, the World Wide Web. Um, now there's a lot of talk around AI and ML that really kind of comes forward. When, when, when you speak about blockchain, it's really a foundational technology uh, that looks at a number of different sectors in which it could have an impact really focusing on key issues like security, trust, and efficiency, and really trying to bring gains and reduce costs in these types of uh, thematic areas. I think really the applications abroad, essentially it's a communication technology that could be applied transversely. And a key part around uh, blockchain technology is obviously as demand increases, scalability and transaction throughput becomes uh, really crucial to meet that kind of demand. And, you know, maintaining security and decentralization is really important. And one of the ways that these, these types of needs can be met is, you know, education, education and education. This is part of what we're doing, um, you know, on this on this stream. And, and another bit that we're doing with education is uh, comes to the Alpha program the foundation is currently doing, where we believe that uh, free quality education about blockchain and very accessible education about blockchain technology um, could provide uh, the architects of the future with the means to actually uh, use this technology and tailor it 
to solve some of the problems that they're the experts in. Um, I think a key part of, of, of Web3, of course, is the ability to have um, community come into the ownership and the management of uh, a technology platform like blockchain, Cardano, in, in the case of uh, what I work on. But really, again, you know, it's all about scaling to meet the needs of uh, current and future uh, demands and, and really kind of finding that in decentralization and security uh, above all. Thank you. I think it's interesting points that you that you have discussed. And I want to focus now more on how Cardano is really unique among other blockchains and trying to solve maybe those problems. Yeah, of course. So there's this famed scalability trilemma uh, that, that is often shared around the different trade-offs that uh, blockchain projects or layer ones will need to take in order to try to achieve decentralization, security, and scalability all at once. Uh, we think that Cardano is rather unique in the sense that it has an incredibly vibrant community that both contributes to the adoption of the protocol and the development of use cases, but also the development of the technology, the foundational technology that can be reused for a number of different use cases. And that kind of speaks to the sustainability of the protocol, the powerful community that maintains the code base, that sets directions, and that allows us to thrive as an ecosystem. I think a second uh, few bits and pieces is really around the tech stack and, and the technological specificities of Cardano. We're a proof-of-stake protocol uh, that is provably secure. Um, we have, we're one of the few programmable layer ones that actually uses extended unspent transaction output. And that's essentially using the uh, accounting model that is used by the Bitcoin blockchain and extending that to give it programmability, you know, use of smart contracts, NFTs, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the last bit is really when it comes to Cardano's uh, metadata capability, where the metadata can actually be uh, flexible and fit the customizable needs for different types of uh, industrial applications and very specific applications um, that we see coming up in, um, in current times and also in future. Um, and really, again, you know, to emphasize the, the community aspect, um, Cardano is people over code. Um, and this code really serves the people. And this is how we see this uh, kind of going forward is really to make sure that this community of developers, of uh, adopters, of token holders all participate on equal footing in the direction of the uh, Cardano ecosystem and the Cardano blockchain as a whole. Yes, it's very interesting. Thanks uh, again for this. Uh, you know, community is 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 a must. Community is first sometimes because everything will be driven and is driven by the community itself. And this is where we start rolling into what Cardano is is working with, uh, with the United Nations to bring solutions in helping. Uh, dispersed and displaced uh, people at the end of the day. Can you elaborate more on your involvement with the UNHCR using the blockchain technology and how it's helping and address those humanitarian challenges? Of course. So when it comes to displaced people, uh, there are over 108 million 
of these, according to some reports uh, at the end of 2022. And um, this is likely to be a growing trend um, given, you know, conflicts, uh, climate change and other types of uh, disruptions to people's lives. And um, when it came to the work that uh, we're currently doing with uh, Switzerland for UNHCR, so uh, the UN Refugees Agency's national partner in Switzerland, um, we were looking at solving a very clear problem that's actually present, or at least piloting the solution for a problem that's present in many uh, humanitarian organizations, where when it comes to resource mobilization, and this is, you know, fundraising, so financially, but also in-kind types of resources that get mobilized to support beneficiaries uh, like refugees. Typically, these are linked to moments of crisis where people and organizations are more willing to give, whether these are conflicts uh, such as the one in Ukraine or natural disasters such as the earthquake in Syria and Turkey. People will typically give to these And at the same time, when people give to these types of crises, typically these are things that are called earmarked funding, which means that the money and the resources that are that 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 are mobilized for these uh, in these moments are usually only allowed to be deployed in these areas for that specific use case. And the reality is, of course, um, humanitarianism is something that happens also in between crises, where people still have to deliver resources to some of the most vulnerable. And this kind of challenge has resulted in numerous underfunded refugee crises uh, being chronically underfunded uh, over a number of years. And so what we were exploring, uh, what we're exploring with this stake pool is a method, at least currently at a small scale, to uh, generate funding uh, and, and mobilize resources that can happen on a continuous basis and not be marked by crisis events, but also not be earmarked to a specific location or crisis, but rather uh, generate resources that can be used at the uh, UN Refugee Agency's discretion and expertise, rather than being dictated by donors. And so the way that we we looked at doing that is by using Cardano's uh, proof of stake uh, protocol, which is quite unique and industry leading in the sense that it is uh, liquid staking at the protocol level and not at a derivative level. What that means is ADA, Cardano's cryptocurrency, can be delegated as stake to secure the network. This ADA, um, when delegated, is not locked, it is uh, non custodial, and there is no slashing penalty attached to. Um, people delegating uh, that specific ADA, which really mitigates any forms of risks related to bad validator behavior. And so it also makes it incredibly predictable what the uh, staking reward may be and you know what the risks involve, uh, involved are. And so what we're doing with the stake pool is trying to create a new way of, <clears throat> pardon me, of um, mobilizing financial resources through staking rewards that are distributed completely by the uh, Cardano protocol um, and are the result of people delegating their stake. And the really interesting bit about this is when people delegate their stake, they do not give away their principal. They maintain their principal. And what they give is the staking rewards they would have earned on top of that. And 
where we, we've we've looked at this uh, from a B2C perspective, where we engaged the Cardano community, who's had a fantastic response and delegated close to 1.5 million ADA in stake over the past few months, um, both through stake delegation as well as the purchasing of charity-oriented uh, NFTs. And what we'll be doing pretty soon is going towards uh, piloting the B2B approach, which can be really interesting for the corporate social responsibility departments of Web3 and non-Web3 organizations um, that might want to still maintain some of their principle in cryptocurrency and still support a good cause. And on top of that, another aspect of this, which is interesting, is should they themselves choose to make a donation to the stake pool in perpetuity, they can support a cause in perpetuity and see how many of the staking rewards they've contributed to over time um, and see the impact over time, which is really exciting. And currently, um, the staking rewards are split into two uh, expenditure areas by the UNHCR. 20% of staking rewards will go to UNHCR's innovation program, and 80% will fund uh, on-the-ground missions in uh, traditionally chronically underfunded uh, refugee crises. It's very interesting use cases and how blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies are solving those uh, interesting. And then there's, you know, uh, I've been involved in the Beirut bombing that happened in 2020. Uh, and it was a disaster managing uh, the case there. And I don't know, you know, we would have loved some use cases of blockchain being deployed because we received huge amounts of money. But then later on, when it came, where did the money go? <laughs> or where did that so that's how why i'm asking now is how does this blockchain really enhances this transparency accountability efficiency of especially in in such scenarios uh, where you're dealing with and then knowing how uh, it is really you're able to target you're able to define transparently and, and everything related to that yeah so currently the, the the transparency aspect is really related to the resource mobilization uh, where people can actually see how much has been raised, what and by whom, who's been giving and who's and how people have been receiving this, uh, at least from the UNHCR receiving the rewards. Um, and of course, we're looking into ways where uh, the disbursement of these funds can also be be, be made uh, transparently. And this is a this is a use case that many within our ecosystem are interested in uh, exploring. Uh, in in the most let's say permissionless manner, and and what I mean by that is uh, typically what we'll see when 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 we speak to a number of different humanitarian organizations, NGOs, etc., they ask us the same types of questions. And what we've noticed is often these types of solutions or challenges um, are similar. So. One way that we view things at the foundation is if people have similar technical challenges, perhaps uh, some of these can be solved through open source uh, tooling uh, that actually enables a broader group to participate and to reduce their development costs for certain solutions so that when you know they have a very specific use case uh, that that is part of a broader challenger, uh, a broader challenge setting, they can kind of reuse that code, maintain it, but also uh, tailor it to their very specific needs. So we're exploring these types of things. Um, 
with the community, with other uh, organizations involved in the space. And what we'd like to do is, you know, create tools that are replicable and reusable by others. So what we're hoping, at least from this pilot, is also to document it really well and to share a um, playbook of sorts with a bro the broader NGO community to, uh, to, to kind of understand how we did it, why we did it, what were the challenges, what were the successful opportunities, and where can this type of, uh, what do you call it, resource mobilization model uh, be useful for, for their organization. So we're really about uh, shared learning and, and, and open sourcing knowledge as much as possible. Yeah, it's a very important open sourcing. And that's why with what you're talking about, do, you said pilot, but do you have any successful, notable successful stories so far with the UNHCR or still we're in piloting uh, phase? So currently it's it's very much a pilot. We've had successes within the pilot where the stake pool itself is somewhat of a hub. And we have, you know, little smaller pilots that are kind of hubs that, that or spokes that, that fit into this hub. Um, these include NFT projects of different kinds uh, that uh, UNH, uh, UNHR participated with um, uh, some of our community projects. Uh, they include um, a charity fundraise NFT uh, that was somewhat done as a, as a proof of attendance uh, type of of uh, use case at Paris Blockchain Week and um, and uh, consensus in uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, we also have a, a version of an auction for a particular NFT. And so essentially what's happening here is the success of the project as a whole will be measured at the end. But what we see here in terms of success is not only the community's engagement, but the ability that uh, our partners at Switzerland for UNHCR have had to really grow their understanding of how to interact uh, with the Web3 ecosystem and community. Um, the jump to set up a stake pool uh, is, is a massive undertaking and required a lot of education. The same thing goes with setting up um, different NFT collections, where typically most organizations would outsource this to a third party uh, for them to do that. Whereas uh, what we love about UNHCR is that they've actually picked that up themselves and they're doing the learning so that in future, we hope that they can interact with our community and other Web3 communities in a very simple manner, in a way that they understand uh, the technology. And uh, we're really happy to kind of walk side by side with them on, on these types of it's things. It's a learning experience, I think, exactly. uh, for all of us. And that's why I want to ask you two different questions, but they are the same. Uh, one on the education side, where's the role of education and awareness in driving adoption for, so that we can have more? And But what are the challenges of deploying such technologies I'm sure, you know, you had to educate and uh, the UNHCR itself somewhere. You had to find use cases, the other communities, how they can join. So there's a lot of, I think, challenges. Governments, you know, when you say, usually when you say blockchain directly, I don't know why, it's cryptocurrencies. Yes, it is cryptocurrencies, but it's not also cryptocurrencies. You know that even though it's a good thing, but they take it in a bad impact. So this is where, you know, challenges, education and things. Uh, tell me about some use cases that, or some experience, I would say. For sure. So that's a really, that's a really, really good question. And, and education is a core part of what we do at the foundation. 
Um, and sometimes we see it applied like in the project with uh, the UN Refugee Agency. Um, when it comes to education, you could look at it in two ways. One, you could look at it from the point of view of educating the adopter of the technology or the potential adopter, uh, enterprises, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then you could look at it in terms of educating those that are responsible for the uh, enabling environment in which this technology can be adopted. These are governments, these are regulatory bodies, et cetera. Um, and when it comes to education from an adoption point of view, um, we've we've launched an alpha program, an education program uh, that's available online, and we hope that uh, it will be released post-alpha reasonably soon, where essentially we discuss you know, a wide range of topics uh, from you know, very blockchain fundamentals and generations to cryptography, structure, components, consensus algorithms, all the type of stuff that you need to have to just have a basic understanding of what this technology is so that you can get your creative juices flowing and think, how does this solve some of the challenges that I'm facing uh, as a professional and that my organization is facing? Another part of this is obviously education through an applied lens. Um, and so this is when we're testing out, you know, proof of concepts or pilot partnerships in fields like philanthropy with Switzerland for UNHCR, supply chain with the uh, Georgian National Wine Agency, and then identity um, when it comes to, you know, identity of people and products, products in the, in the sense of a recent uh, proof of concept we did with uh, Epoch Sports and Merchandise linking, um, you know, digital items. So linking essentially uh, an NFC chip to an actual uh, on-chain NFT and then turning a piece of uh, fan memorabilia into um, something that can also be tracked on-chain and create a better experience for, for the users. And then when we move to you know, educating those that are responsible for the enabling environments, um, you know, we really believe that governments and regulatory stakeholders need to really collaborate with uh, industry players for you know, informed decision-making that's beneficial to, to all stakeholders involved in, in blockchain. And of course, you know, there's a need to develop uh, standards for both blockchain technology and digital assets. And this is something that we're really proactively involved in um, at the foundation. And of course, you know, education similar to what we do with adopters is something that's also important for these policymakers, that they understand um, the technology and can ask critical questions and receive, you know, the right answers when they're assessing different forms of blockchain technologies, um, their own sustainability, um, and, and really have this evidence-based policy discussion uh, at an international level, because that is the nature of this technology. Like the internet, uh, blockchain technology um, you know, traverses borders, um, peoples, and cultures. So it's really important that uh, you know, regulatory understanding is, 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 has kind of an evidence base across the globe. Yeah. Well, well, it is the Internet 3.0, no? So that's right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it really advances. And then when you mention governments, and you know, you mentioned a lot of things that the governments need, and then one of the most important, I say, foster the innovation part. Uh, I don't know if you can shed more light on this. And then, and there any specific partnerships or collaboration on the horizon, also for uh, Cardano blockchain? 
that you can share. I know sometimes <laughs> you cannot disclose. <laughs> so, so I think with governments, uh, especially, um, it's a different nature of engagement than when you deal with the private sector of different forms and sizes. One I can speak to is the uh, project that we have running in Georgia, where initially what was started as a proof of concept to showcase the traceability of uh, wines. Uh, Not just any wine, maybe the oldest wine available. That is true. Yes, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Georgia is actually the home of wine uh, over 8,000 years ago and very peculiarly made in uh, clay vats. Um, and essentially, yes, with, with, within Georgia, we started working on a proof of concept for the traceability and, and, and provenance of uh, organic wine. Uh, this was in 2021 using metadata on Cardano. And this is, a, this is a very clear use case of why Cardano for supply chain, where the flexibility of the metadata and the amount of detail that could be inputted in the metadata linked to a particular bottle is comparatively high relative to other blockchain uh, solutions, at least in the public space, uh, public blockchain space. And uh, from there, we had a you know successful POC, and we're currently scaling that to uh, a national, well, a, a regional level pilot uh, in the Bolnisi region. You can read more about this in uh, the Cardano Foundation's annual report. And, you know, we're hoping that, you know, once we get past this regional deployment, that we can look into uh, questions around uh, national provenance and appellations and all the interesting things that make a cultural value add uh, agricultural good even more valuable as it's being exported to uh, new markets. So that's that's one of the ways that we work with uh, governments. And of course, we have these kind of policy and regulatory discussions on an ongoing basis outside of projects. Very interesting. So as individuals such as myself, other people that are watching, uh, what would you give as an advice, and even to organizations maybe, looking to explore and leverage the blockchain technology for their own initiatives. I know many organizations which I consult, the first thing we said, please let us understand how can blockchain solve our problems? Because blockchain doesn't solve all of the problems and it's not just a trend, but you have to really uh, you know, have a use case for it so that you solve a problem. So this is this is a really good question. Um, and, and of course, I think... You, Maybe the question you might follow with uh, when you consult, and which we do as well when we're approached by by third parties, is well, tell us what are your problems, and then we need to figure out okay, where does blockchain fit within a specific problem space in a, in a certain value chain? I think this is why education is so important. Is it would allow a broader span of people to then uh, analyze their let's say business problems and understand this is maybe where blockchain has a potential to solve this issue. And then let me reach out to Rudy, Alex, and, and whoever else in, in the blockchain space and ask them, am I right? Is this, is this what I can actually use this for? So for some more kind of targeted conversations, right? So that's why education is so important. Um, so how would these organizations approach this? I would encourage them to reach out to the Cardano Foundation if they want to understand more about the Cardano blockchain. I'd encourage them to... Uh, sign up to our uh, alpha program. But more importantly, I'd encourage them to join us at the Cardano Summit. Uh, why? 
It's not only because the Cardano Foundation is going to be there, it's because our entire community of builders, of thinkers, of innovators are going to be there um, to share some of their experiences. And, you know, at the foundation, we're generalists. We have certain themes of a specialization, but in terms of specific use cases, that's the community that decides, that's the market that decides whether they're looking into music or uh, RealFi or lending protocols, whatever it might be. These are the experts, and they're coming to Dubai, um, as well as 20 other uh, satellite events all over the world. But the most important. That's what I want you to tell me. Dive directly into the Cardano Foundation event, and then so that That's they right, know yeah. exactly what's happening. Yeah, and and most importantly, the Cardano Summit in Dubai is not just about Cardano; it's about blockchain. Um, we are not going to succeed in an island. Uh, the world is full of multiple protocols. And so, you know, we're really inviting the broader blockchain ecosystem globally and within Dubai uh, from other L1s, from other stakeholders that may not even be fully into the Web3 space, but are starting to dip their toes. And really what we want to foster are quality conversations with quality actors about how this uh, technology can shape the future um, of Dubai, its region, but also, uh, you know, how this can do this can have an impact on a global level uh, in the years to come. So, so come to Dubai, come to one of the twenty uh, satellite events that's happening globally. And if you can't travel, just join us online uh, and feel free to connect with the uh, Cardano Foundation. Uh, I'll be there. I hope you will be there so that we can. I'm definitely going to be there. See you there, Rudy. Uh, that's definitely, uh, uh, you know, I'm looking more forward now <laughs> to add uh, on this. So I'd like to thank you, Alex, for this and being our guest today and really sharing your insights. I don't know if you have last words before I conclude this episode. I would say sign up to the summit. Keep a lookout for some announcements coming up uh, real soon when it comes to that. If you want to get involved as uh, an individual or an organization that wants to do good and support displaced people uh, through the Stakepool project, reach out to us. And if you want to understand about, you know, Cardano and blockchain more generally, again, reach out to us. This is our job. We're here to help. Thank you again. And big, big thanks to our viewers uh, for tuning in. You can watch the recording and this episode on YouTube and other, other channels that we have and also on Reels. See you next time. Stay tuned. Thank you.